Amen. Amen. Appreciate you. Amen. If I could get a couple of guys or gals or a couple of folks to help me out here tonight, and uh, if you want to pass these out, and uh, get one of those, and um, while they're doing that, I want to remind everyone that we have church Sunday. How about that? Amen. Sunday rolls around and it'll be here before you know it. And um, we've got some of our ladies that are going to ladies' retreat tomorrow and coming back Saturday, so they ought to be fired up for Sunday. But we're looking forward to what God has in store for us this coming Sunday morning and Sunday night. So come in and uh, invite some folks to come to church. Be a part of our Sunday services, all right? Also, I wanted to make an announcement concerning the men. Um, Brother um, Pastor Dan Norris was here in the revival the other night, and their church is having a men's conference on Saturday, October the 5th at their church in Barnhart. It's the Sanctuary Church in Barnhart. And uh, there'll, be, uh, there'll be two sessions on that Saturday, one at, t- at 10 a.m. and at 2 p.m. And um, Vernell Engel is going to be the guest speaker. He does a great job. So it, I know the, the teaching, the ministry, the preaching will be great. He'll be speaking 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock. And then uh, there will also be um, lunch, a complimentary lunch will be provided that day. So... Uh, any men that would be interested, I'm planning on going up for that. So any of our men that would be interested in going on that Saturday, um, we'd love, yeah, thank you, Brother Jim. We'd just love to have you to go and be a part of that, um, that men's conference. I know it'll be a blessing. You will definitely enjoy Brother Engel's ministry. Amen. All right. Praise God. Open your Bibles to Matthew tonight, chapter 6. I'm not going to, I think we know uh, the Lord's Prayer pretty well by now, don't we? Everybody's pretty well can quote that. But we have, um, we've been studying this and going through the Lord's Prayer. And in your outline, um, there are the six prayer topics that we mentioned the very first sermon, that uh, first or second message, that this prayer, as I said, is not a prayer to be <clears throat> just recited or read or prayed over over and over again. And some people do that. You know, they just recite it. And that's not what Jesus intended when He gave this, when He gave the Lord's Prayer. But He did give it as a pattern for us to follow and as a model prayer for us to follow to help us in prayer. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples asked the Lord, teach us to pray. And in Luke's gospel... Uh, in answer to their request, teach us to pray, Jesus gave them this model prayer. And so um, the six topics, the first one was, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we talked about the relationship, number one, prayer has to, the, the, the importance of having a relationship with the Father. That's the first thing about prayer. But then also the, the hallowing of the name of God, prayer, has to begin with worship. The protocol is to come into the presence of God with thanksgiving and with, pra- and with praise and to worship the Lord. And so um, to hallow the name of God, we talked about those, those eight redemptive names of Jehovah that are all fulfilled. All of those names represent the character of Jehovah and something that he that, that and something a blessing that he provides for his people through Jesus and what Jesus did at Calvary. And so those eight redemptive names cover sin, the forgiveness of sin, covers the the the, the spirit of God, the presence of God, the infilling and the fullness of the spirit of God in our life, covers our healing that he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals covers our provision because He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides, and also our security because He's, He is Jehovah Nisi, our banner, and Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd. 
So as we're worshiping and praising the Lord, we're praising Him because all of this was fulfilled in Christ at Calvary. Amen? All of that was fulfilled in Christ and what He did at the cross and in the blood of Jesus. The second, um, the second uh, um, topic of prayer that we come to in that outline is thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's establishing the kingdom of God, the will of God in your life. You're praying for the will of God. You're submitting yourself to the Lord and establishing God's will for yourself, for your family, which includes your, your mate, your children, other family members, your church. Uh, don't forget to pray for your church. Can I get an amen there? Don't forget to pray for your pastor and for the, uh, uh, for the leadership of the church. Pray for the faithfulness of the people and pray for the harvest of souls. And so these, these are some areas that we cover in that section of praying for the kingdom of God to come and the will of God to be done. That's the part where we are interceding for other people and praying for the needs of others. And it's not, not a, there's nothing wrong with having a prayer list with people's names on it and needs on it to remind you to pray for them and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you as you do that. But then the third topic was give us this day our daily bread. And that's where we pray uh, for our provision on a daily basis. And we said that in order for God to provide our needs and to, to minister to us and meet our needs and to give us those things we need in life, and God doesn't mind us asking for our needs, does He? He wants us to ask. If you have need of something, ask Him. And, uh, uh, but we've got to be in the will of God. We've got to believe that God's, God's will is to bless us and prosper us. And we need to be specific in what we ask for. And we need to be tenacious and not to give up. Once you know that what you are asking for is the will of God and it's promised by the Word of God, and you ask God, you've got to believe God and be persistent in that prayer that you're not going to give up. You're going to keep asking, keep seeking. Keep knocking until the door is opened. Amen. Praise God. Persistency in prayer. Importunity in prayer. So anyway, uh, he wants to provide our needs. Then the fourth topic was to get along with everybody. Remember that? It was a couple of weeks ago. And uh, pray to get along with everybody. And number one is forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive our debtors. We ask God, number one, to forgive us. And that's something that we need to take time to do in our prayer time is ask the Lord to examine us, to search us, to look into our heart. And if there's anything there that's not pleasing to the Lord, what? Show us what it is and what will we do? Just keep doing it? No. We repent of it and ask His forgiveness. But then the second part of that, yes, we want to be forgiven and we need to be forgiven if we, make, if we mess up. But we also must forgive those who have trespassed against us. We can't, we can't live a life with, uh, our life with uh, unforgiveness in our hearts. So that's an important part of prayer. Last week we talked about this, this uh, uh, fifth topic and we're going to talk about that one a little more tonight. But lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we talked about that last week. And uh, that letter A there, put on the whole armor of God, or to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we dealt with a little bit about the armor of God. And we talked about temptation, didn't we? And how to overcome temptation. That you don't have to, you don't, as a child of God, you don't have to be in bondage or under the control of the dominion of sin. But the Lord has provided a way for all of us to uh, overcome temptation. And will, tempta will temptation come to every one of us? Oh, yeah. Yes, it will. I mean, all of us will be tempted, but we don't have to yield to that temptation. And I know sometimes we do. But the Lord has made provision for us not to yield to temptation. We have spiritual warfare that we are engaged in. We fight battles spiritually. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood, 
but we're wrestling against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what Paul said. But we're not defenseless against those, those enemies of darkness. We have put on the Lord Jesus Christ and He has provided us uh, with the spiritual armor that we have in our life that He's clothed us with that we can stand against the attacks of the enemy and against the wiles of the devil. And having done all to stand, we stand. Amen? Hallelujah. And so He's provided what we need to overcome temptation. He's provided what we need to be victorious in the spiritual battles of life that we are engaged in with the enemy, all right? The Bible says that we're to what? Fight the good fight of faith. Listen, living for God is not just a Sunday school picnic, amen? There's a fight, there's a warfare, that, there's a battle that we're engaged in, amen? There's an enemy out there that you cannot see, but you've been given the, the, the weapons of our warfare are not natural or carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Can I get an amen tonight? Woo, hallelujah. But we are fighting the good fight of faith. And the good fight of faith, uh, it's a good fight because it's a fight you win. You know, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, I never, you know, if I got in a fight and got the soup kicked out of me, and I'm sitting there in the, in the dust, and I've got two black eyes and a bloody nose, and my lips bleeding and everything else, and I just got whooped all over the place, I wouldn't sit there and say, boy, that was a good fight. <laughs> huh? Because that wouldn't be too good of a fight, amen, not if I got whooped. But uh, Paul said to, for us as believers to fight the good fight of faith. Do you know why it's a good fight? It's a good fight because you've been provided everything that you need to be victorious in that fight. It's a good fight because you win the fight. It's a good fight because you overcome and you come out the victor and you come out on top. Amen? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, this is Bible study now, Brother Giles. I've got to calm down. So lead us not into temptation. So we talked about the, uh, just not in detail or in depth, but we mentioned those uh, pieces of armor that are listed in Ephesians 6. The loins girt about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation or the readiness of the gospel of peace the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And each one of those, as I said, it's not something that you go through every day and say, okay, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. I'm putting on the... No, you have put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So you just thank Him for these... You know, He is your breastplate of righteousness. He is your helmet of salvation. He is your shield of faith. And all of these are given to us through Jesus Christ and by His indwelling uh, Spirit in our life. And, and, and every one of those is, is, is the Word of God. The Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, the, the loins girt about with truth. All speaks of the Word of God. The helmet of salvation, that, that, that helmet, what's a helmet do? It protects your head and protects your mind. And that's where the, the main part of the battle goes on. It's right here in your head and in your mind. And so you've got to put that helmet on of salvation. Well, that's, that's the Word of God again. So, so, so the Word of God is vitally important. And we know that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God that we use against the attacks of the enemy. Amen? Amen. So, we, 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 we are coming up here, letter B is what I want to talk about tonight, and that's praying a hedge of protection around our life and um, building and praying that hedge of protection. How many knows that we need God's protection in our life? I wouldn't want to go a day. I wouldn't want to get in my car and go anywhere, do anything, unless I knew that God was protecting me because of the fact that there is an enemy out there. And do you know there's nothing the enemy would like to do any more than to, than to take you out, snuff you out. But how many knows he can't do it? Glory be to God because we have God's protection over us. Amen. 
And I believe that it's something that we need to realize about God's protection is that Jesus told us here in the Lord's Prayer that we were to pray. This should be a part of our prayer life because He said that we're to pray, lead us not into temptation. That's spiritual conflict that deals with our trials and tests and temptation. But then He said for us to pray, but deliver us from evil. Or in the original, it's deliver us from the evil one. That's the enemy. And the evil one is always planning and plotting evil against you, against anybody that he can, but especially against the child of God and against the, uh, against the, the, the believers and against the church. So we need a hedge of protection around our life. And the Lord's telling us here to pray for deliverance from evil. And, I, and I, I do that on a regular basis, is pray for God's protection, for God's um, hedge to be around me. Amen? How many knows God has a hedge that he puts around the child of God, around the believer? Brother Leon talked about that Sunday morning, wasn't it? Wasn't it Sunday morning when he preached on Job? If it ain't one thing, it's another. That and he talked about that hedge. Well, God has a hedge of protection that he wants to put and does put around the believer. And um, the, the, the putting on the armor of God, the building a hedge of protection around ourselves, the, 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 the battles and the, and the attacks of the enemy that we win and that we overcome him in, we, we overcome him through prayer, saints of God. You know, see, i got to make this plain tonight and, and, and let us understand something. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And so that, that also implies that if you, you and I don't pray, that we will faint. Amen? That's why he said if you, you pray so that you don't faint, that you don't give up, that you don't cave in, that you don't lose heart. But if you don't pray, you're, you're going to be weak and you're not going to be in the place where you can stand against the attacks of the enemy. So we've got to build that hedge of protection. Around ourselves, we pray, and it's something I believe that we do as we're praying through this Lord's Prayer when we come to this part of the prayer, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one, that we can pray that protection for ourselves and we can pray that protection for our family and we can pray it for our loved ones because God has provided that protection for us. And I think we need to understand that since Jesus said that something we should ask for and claim and believe Him for, believe God for, that it must not be something that's just automatic. But we need to be trusting God to protect us from all the evils of this world. I don't get up in the morning and get out and go about just scared to death that something bad's going to happen. Amen. You're not, you're not supposed to live your life that way. Amen. There's some people today's afraid to go out of their house because they're afraid something bad might happen. So like one guy said, he read, you know, that all accidents happen within a mile from home. So he just stayed home. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. We've got to believe God for his protection. You've got, you've got a God tonight that, that will shield you, that will help you, that will guard you, and that will protect you. Amen? And so we should, I believe, according to this prayer every day, make it a point to daily pray and declare God's protection over our life. Now, I touched on Psalm 91 last week, so uh, let's go back there because there's a couple of things I want to point out to you tonight in, um, in this 91st Psalm. But in Psalm 91... Uh, I love this psalm. He, are you there? Psalm 91 and verse 1 says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now there's a dwelling and there's an abiding there, which is two, are two very important words. And um, then he said in verse 2, uh, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. I will say. Now notice, he's making a declaration here. This would be a form of prayer. 
He's making the declaration and saying something about the Most High God. He's saying something about the Almighty God. He's saying something about the Lord. What is he saying about the Lord? And He said, I will say of the Lord, He is. He's, he's declaring what God is to him. You don't have to be so excited about that. He's declaring who God is and what God is to him. And he said, I'm going to say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress and my God in Him will I trust. You've got to learn to open your mouth and declare, declare and proclaim who God is and who God is to you and what God will do for you. Amen? We, we've, got to, we've got to understand that, you know, we, we, we're not to go around um, with the poor old me attitude all the time. And we're not to go around all the time with our head hung down and saying, well, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I don't think that I'm going to make it. I guess the Lord's just left me. I don't know why I have to go through all these things. I don't know why the Lord let all this happen. That, that, you know what? You'll never, get out of the, you'll never get out of your problems with that kind of an attitude. You need to do what the psalmist said and lift up your head and lift up your hands and look up to the Lord and say, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. Hallelujah. He is my God and in Him I will put my trust. That's what we need to learn to declare to the enemy and right in the face of the enemy. I got a great big God and He's my fortress and He's shielding me and He's protecting me every single day of my life. Come on and give the Lord a praise. said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall deliver thee from the snare. The Amplified says it this way. He says, uh, uh, the next, that third verse after verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. And the Amplified says, for then He will deliver you from the snare of the fowl. So it connects verse 2 and verse 3 together. As I'm declaring who the Lord is to me, then God's going to come on the scene and He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler. I used to love what Brother Shambach used to always say about the fowler. He said, you know who the fowler is? Well, the fowler's the devil because he's always trying to foul things up. Amen. He's the fowler. He's, he's the one that kindly fouls. What a fowler in the, in the scripture was one that set snares to catch birds, to trap birds. And Satan is the spiritual fowler. And Satan is always setting snares. And he's setting traps for you and for me, for every child of God. And we need to understand that. That's why, listen to me, church, that's why we must pray for the protection and believe God for His protection in our life so that He will do what? Deliver us. What was Jesus' prayer? Deliver. He said, pray, deliver me from, deliver us from the evil one. And when we say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, then surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He didn't say might. He didn't say maybe. He said he will. God will deliver us. How many, how many tonight would say, I know God is my deliverer tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now I want you to notice something. and It's in the outline that you have. Um, praying the hedge of protection. Um, you know, saying you are my refuge, my fortress, my God. And then there's three, here's, I'm going to bring this out tonight from this psalm because there are three becauses. Three becauses in Psalm 91 that I think are very, I believe are very, very important. These three becauses gives us three reasons why you can claim and believe God for His protection. Because I said that it's not automatic. Now, you know, we could preach on verse 1, which I think that's another sermon in itself because it deals with um, abiding 
under the shadow of the Almighty and dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. But one of the causes kindly is connected to that as well. But I want you to notice these, these becauses tonight. In, in verse number 9, and they're found in verse number 9 and in verse number 14. And in verse number 9, listen to what he says. Because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. That's just an awesome promise within itself right there. But notice there's a because. And, and how many times have you heard me say that all of God's blessings and all of God's promises have conditions? Most of the time it's an if, you know. If you will, then God says, I will. If you will do this, then I will do this. But here he's using the word because, and because gives a reason why God does something. Because I have done something, God says, because of that, then you can expect this blessing and this benefit. And he said, because you have made the Lord your habitation. I think that's very important. A habitation is a place where you live. It's where you dwell. It's where you abide. Again, it goes back to verse 1, with dwelling in the secret place of the Most High and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty God. In other words, the protection that God affords us, the covering that He gives us. You know, I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, this preacher's my covering or this church is my covering. You know who my covering is? Who your covering is, is the blood of Jesus. The Lord is your covering. He's got, Jesus has got you covered. Can I get an amen? Well, that's, that's, I won't charge any. That's nothing. That's just a little extra throw in there. But we've got to make Him our habitation. So it means to dwell in that place, abide in Him. It's not talking about somebody that's in the, you know, that's, that's how do I want to put this? You ever see people that are in and out? They're in for a while and living for God and on fire for God, and then you don't see them for eight or ten weeks. They're out doing their own thing. Then maybe they get back in for a while. Stay in a little bit, then they're out again. Y'all are looking at me like you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. You, this Wednesday night crowd is not in that bunch, are you, huh? No, 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 no. We're talking about the we're talking about the rest, the ones that come on Sunday morning. I know we're not we're not talking about you guys, but 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 you know what I'm talking about, Amen. They're in and out. I've seen I've, I've seen people like that my entire ministry that that live for the Lord for a while and they'll say, "Oh, Pastor, you can depend on me. I'm going to be there. I'm in. I'm I'm there." And then the next thing you know, they're not. Don't lie to me, please. Don't lie to me because you know when when a person says that God hears what we say. He listens to us. He hears that. Amen. We make vows. The Bible said it's better not to make a vow, better not to make a vow, than to make one and then go back on it and break it. Amen. So, you know, but, but I know, you know, that, that we see, but, but see, there's, there's where we can get in trouble. We've got to stay in Jesus Christ. Are you we got to make him our habitation. We've got to remain in him and him in us. Are you listening? And because we make him our habitation, then we know that he we have that protection that he's promised us in the word of God. Amen. The Bible says in Psalm 22, I believe it is, Psalm 22, you all know this verse, but it says uh, that, that God inhabits the praises of Israel or the praises of His people. We all know that, don't we? We've heard that quoted all of our life. So one way to make God the Lord your habitation, number one is your faith in Christ and remaining in Christ and staying in Christ. I, I just, I can't get off of that, seem like, but staying in Him, abiding in Him, 
through your faith. In the, as long as you stay in Christ, you stay under the blood. Are you with me? Yeah. You remember in, in, uh, in the book of Exodus, the children of Israel, the Passover, um, at the first Passover, when they killed the lamb and they put the blood on the, on the doorposts and the lintels of the house, and they went inside that night, and the death angel was coming through. Remember that? And everyone, every house that did not have the blood applied, the firstborn in that family was going to die when the death angel came through. But you remember what God told Moses? You tell them to get in that house, slay that lamb, put the blood over the doorpost, and roast the lamb, and get in the house, and don't go outside. Stay in the house, amen? If they would have went outside and got out from under the covering, out of that habitation, come on somebody, out of that habitation where the blood was over them, they would not have had the protection from the death angel that came through Egypt. They had to get in under the blood and stay in under the blood. Come on. Woo, hallelujah. So let's don't be like that burger joint, in and out. Come on, in and out burgers. We don't want to be an in and out Christian. Get in Jesus. Get sold out to Jesus. Make him your habitation. Hallelujah. And live like you need to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we've made him because we've made him our habitation. We praise him. We worship him. And he inhabits those praises. So stay in Jesus. Continue to worship him. That's the first because. But look at the second one. The next two are found in verse number 14. And it says, because, we're still in Psalm 91, because he has set his love on me. This is God speaking now in the first person. And God is saying, because you have set your love on me, therefore will I deliver him or deliver you and set him on high. What's the because there? Because we have set our love upon the Lord. How many of y'all tonight love Jesus? Oh, hallelujah. See, we can be assured of the protection of God when we set our love upon Him. When we set our love upon Him, and how do we do that? We sang about, a little bit about it tonight, about seeking the Lord, about, uh, you know, leaning on His breast, drinking from the cup in His hand, getting close to the Lord. And this is... You know, I believe that one of the ways that we set our love upon the Lord is by focusing all of our affection, all of our desires, all of our love on Him and seeking Him first and foremost in our life. God, listen, Jesus is not going to share you with the devil. Oh, come on, somebody. You, he wants all of you, and you've got to set all of your love. You've got to set all of your love upon the Lord Jesus Christ. A friend of mine, preacher friend of mine, had a post on Facebook today and had a picture on there, and then he had some stuff that he, was, that he put on there about these Christians that want to, uh, you know, they, 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 they want to hold on to God with one hand, the world with the other hand. And I come almost to, to sharing it, but I didn't. But here was the picture. I, I might have even saved the picture. I'll use it in a sermon one day maybe. But the picture was a guy sitting there. It showed a Bible and a guy reading the Bible. And he had a Bible in this hand and a Paps blue ribbon in this hand. Oh, Lord. Oh, it's quiet now. You know that's the mindset of a lot of people in the church today. Well, we'll love Jesus on Sunday, but we'll do our thing on Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, and then we'll come to church and worship and shout and praise the Lord on Sunday. Well, that's, see, that's not the way that it works. Amen? And, and these folks that are in and out 
and not setting their entire love and affection on the Lord and living haphazard lives, then something bad happens to them and they say, why did the Lord let that happen to me? Have you, have you set your love upon Him? Have you made Him your dwelling place? Are you abiding in Him? Is your faith in Him and Him alone? Come on, amen. Are you, are you claiming and praying for His protection and, and meeting the conditions that you have to meet to have His protection? Oh, Jesus, help us. Hallelujah. Psalm 27. Do I have some time yet? Psalm 27. I love this. David, in Psalm 27, we see what David did. David was a man after God's own heart. He's setting his affection and his love. We're talking about because he has set his love on me, I will deliver him. Claiming God's protection as we set our love on him. And look what David did here in Psalm 27, uh, Psalm 27 verse 2. Um, well, let's just read verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came up upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host, look at verse 3, Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. He's confident that God's going to be with him. And even though a host of the enemy comes against him, he says, I'm not going to be afraid. And when I face war and, and all of this rises against me, I'm not going to fear any of this because here's why. Because verse 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of His temple. Can you see where David's focus is? It's on one thing. That's our problem today. We have our focus. We're trying to focus on too many different things. You know where you need to get your focus tonight? As a child of God, focus on desiring the Lord and seeking the Lord and putting God first in your life. It doesn't make any difference what's going on in your life tonight. Set yourself to make that your one desire to seek the Lord with all of your heart and to put Him first in your life. Amen? He said, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to acquire of His temple. And then in verse 5, he says this, For in the time of trouble, how many knows the time of trouble's coming? For in the time of trouble, why? Because the one thing I desire is to seek the Lord and to be in His house. That's the habitation. I've set my love upon Him. And for in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me and He shall set me upon a rock. Can I tell you, there's a place in Jesus Christ where God will hide you that the devil can't even find you and don't even know where you're at and cannot get to you because your life is hid with Christ in God. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, he will hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. Twice he said he would hide. David said, God will hide me. He'll hide me, amen? And this, in, the, in his pavilion, I, in studying that, that word pavilion, the pavilion that David was speaking of here um, was a royal pavilion. It was the king's tent. And during the time of war, the king's tent or the royal pavilion was set up in the midst of the army. And the army was all around the, the king's tent. It was erected in that center of the army and it was surrounded by a constant guard of soldiers. And when you read it, when you read in 1 Samuel, was it 2 Samuel chapter 23, one of those, but um, uh, you talk, read about David's mighty men and they were some power. David, I can't preach on that tonight, but David had some mighty men. I mean, you know, he had Eleazar, the son of Dodo. You didn't think that the son of Dodo would never amount to anything, would you? But Eleazar 
stood, stood fast and, and, and took a sword and slew a whole host of the army all by himself. He had Shama that stood in that bean field, in that pea patch against all the armies that came against him and refused to be defeated. And, and that's a whole sermon in itself. But my point is, David was, when he was in war, the king was in that, in that royal pavilion, the armies all around him and those armed guards circling. There was no enemy. Here's the point. There was no enemy going to get in to where that king was. And so David uses that as an analogy and he says, he says in the time of trouble, God will hide me in his pavilion. Come on somebody. How many knows God has a pavilion to put you in? Amen. David was saying in the time of trouble, God hides me in his pavilion, in his royal tent, in the center of his army and surrounds me with a constant guard of the angels of the Lord. Come on, hallelujah. Woo! That's why you don't have to be afraid, amen? No disaster will come near your tent. He said in verse 10, for he commands his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. 91 and 10 of the book of Psalms. Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear the Lord. Amen? See, if we want to be surrounded by God's hedge of protection, we need to set our love upon him. We need to put him first in our lives. That's the one thing. David said, one thing I've desired. Remember Jesus told Martha, when Martha was cumbered about much serving and Mary was at the feet of Jesus. I thought about this as we were singing that song all ago. But Mary was at the feet of Jesus hearing the words of the Lord. Martha was trying to get dinner ready. And she got aggravated because Mary wouldn't help her fix dinner. And she got all flustered. And she got all frustrated. And she went in there and told the Lord, said, aren't you, going to let her, aren't you going to make her help me, Lord? Don't you care if she don't help me? Jesus gave her a mild rebuke and said, Martha, Martha. You know, anytime Jesus calls your name twice, he's getting ready to straighten you out. <laughs> he said, Martha, Martha, you're all cumbered with so many things. You're full of care and anxiety. You're all worried about this. But he said, Mary has chosen the good part. He, and here's what Jesus said. He said, Martha, there's one thing needful. And Mary's chosen that good part that will not be taken away from her. And so you know what Jesus was saying? There's one thing needful. There's one thing needful, and it's not worrying about all this much serving. But he said the thing you need to do, the, very, the most prominent thing in your life, Martha, is you need, to just, you need to just pull up a chair and get here at my feet alongside your sister Mary and listen to what I have to say. Because she's chosen the good part, and that's not going to be taken away from her. Can I tell you what Mary was doing? She was seeking the Lord. She was, putting, she was pouring her love upon the Lord. Amen. She was pouring out her desires to the Lord. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. Jesus said it was one thing needful. And David said it's one thing desired, and that's the Lord. And then Paul said it's one thing that I do, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forward to that which is ahead. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. That's the one thing. Listen, if there's one thing you need in your life, that is to love Jesus with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. Set your love upon Him and He will hide you in His pavilion and deliver you and protect you in your time of trouble. When trouble comes, you will know that He will be there. That's the second because and then the third because. i got to close. The third because is there also in verse number 14 of Psalm 91. Let me read it to you because He said His love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him and I will set him on high because he has known my name. There's the third because. He said, I will deliver him, set him on high. Because he has known my name, he shall call on me and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and I will honor him. And with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation because he has known my name. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 18.10 that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and are safe. The name of the Lord signifies not only who He is, but what He wants to be in your life. There's no greater name in the universe than the name of Jesus. It's not Muhammad. It's definitely not Allah. They're not the same. They're not one and the same. But the greatest name, the most powerful name, the most precious name, the most wonderful name in heaven and earth, above the earth, below the earth, is the name of Jesus. And everything is wrapped up. There's no other name that you can be saved other than the name of Jesus. And so when we, when we know His name, we know who He is. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my righteousness and my sanctifier and my peace and my companion and my healer and my provider and my banner and my shepherd. Jesus is everything to me. He's everything to you. We need to know His name and the power that's been invested in His name. His name, the name of the Lord, is a strong tower and the righteous run into it. I said the righteous run into His name and they are safe. I said they are safe. Oh, you know, sometimes your prayer may just be, Jesus! Sometimes that's all you need because He is everything. His name is a strong tower. You can hide in His name. Amen? Amen. The book of Philippians, Paul said that God has, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ in Philippians 2, it said that God has highly exalted Him. He became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, Paul said. He humbled Himself. He took on the form of a servant, became obedient to the death of the cross. No more, no, no, there was no more humiliating death than to die the way Jesus did on the cross. But he became obedient to that because he knew that was the only way that you and I could be brought into the kingdom of God. But he became obedient to death, humbled himself, and and Paul went on to say, But God has highly exalted him and given to him, given to Jesus, the name that is above every name. I said, it's the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and of things in the earth and of things under the earth. So in other words, the name of Jesus is so mighty and so powerful and so awesome that at the mention of the name of Jesus, it brings, it brings attention to three different worlds. It brings them to attention in heaven and they must bow the knee and worship Him in heaven. At the name of Jesus, it brings us to our knee to worship the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, also in uh, in hell, in the underworld, under the earth, that name is recognized as well. And I want to tell you something today, that the devil knows the name of Jesus. And the devil cannot stand against the name of Jesus. The Bible says that Satan himself believes, but he trembles and shakes in his boots. At the sound of the name of Jesus, he's highly exalted. His name is above every name. Hallelujah, I'm in love with him. And I'm in love with his name. And I know his name and he will deliver me because I know the name of Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen? So claim and pray that protection. Declare God's head. Hedge of protection. Claim that hedge. Make certain. Make certain, ladies and gentlemen, that you're living in these three becauses right there. And when you live in those three becauses, you can pray and believe for the protection of God around you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come while I'm closing.
Is this my first closing? I hadn't been counting. Let's go to Job. We've been in Job lately. Uh, Brother Jim's adult Sunday school classes in Job. Brother Leon preached from Job the other day, Sunday. And I'm back there again tonight. Job chapter 1. Because in Job we find out something in Job. There's a hedge. Oh, hallelujah. There's a hedge around the believer. And... Um, when Satan came before the Lord, you know, and the Lord said, Have you considered my servant Job? And Satan answered the Lord in verse number 9 of Job 1. Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught? He said, basically he was saying, Yeah, I've considered him all right. But look at verse 10. He said, Has not thou made a hedge about him and about his house? and about all that he has on every side. Now, now, now read that. The hedge wasn't just around Job. God had put it around him, and around his house, and around all that he had on every side. And thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Now I'm going to tell you something tonight. The hedge of God around His people is a real thing. God's hedge is real. And Satan can't do anything at all to any one of God's people that are surrounded by that hedge unless God permits it to happen. Are you with me? And not only is that hedge real, but Satan knows that that hedge is real. He knows that it's real. And he made the statement that he knew this. He saw that hedge and he knew he could not get to Job with that hedge there. And he said that there were three things that God does for his children. This is what the devil admitted to, to God. He said three things. He said, first of all, God, I'd love to get to him, but you've put a hedge around him and around his house and around all that he has. So number one... God puts a hedge around us, our homes, and everything that we have on every side. Our vehicles, everything that we have. God will hedge around all that we have. Are, are, you, are you here tonight? Oh, hallelujah! And then the second thing that he said, yeah, you've put that hedge around him. Listen, I, I'm telling you, I've got some kids that needs a hedge around them. And I put that hedge around those kids because they're part of my house. They may be out. They may, they may be out on their own now, but they're my seed. And I pray that hedge over my children and my grandchildren. We better make sure we're praying that hedge over them in the day that we're living in today before we send them into the public school system. They better have the hedge of God around them. He said it's around us and our homes and all that we have. But then the enemy also said to the Lord, and you've blessed his, you've blessed the work of his hands. So the second thing is, that God blesses the work of our hands. He blesses us. Job was wealthy, the richest man in all these, but God had blessed him. There isn't anything wrong with God blessing you and giving you money as long as you're not covetous and seeking after money. Let God bless you. I think I've lost some of y'all. But the third thing he said, that you have you have his substance is increased in the land. So God makes our substance to increase and not decrease. Those were the three things that Satan said to God that God had done to Job. And Jesus teaches us to pray this way. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Protect us. Let your hedge be around us. We set our love upon you. We make you our habitation. Amen. We know your name. Put your hedge around us. All that we have on every side. And keep us 
in all of our ways. Do you believe God will do that? Praise God.